Dad Teaches Me About Wine, the new podcast from me. I'm Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. I think the title pretty aptly describes what's going on here. I have convinced my dad to join me on a podcast adventure where we sit down, we have some wine, he pays for it. And we just chat about wine. So my dad has been talking to me about wine for pretty much my entire life, for as long as I can remember. I'm not even kidding you. As many memories as I have of my dad, I have that many about my dad and wine. And I'm not trying to throw him under the bus here, but there's even some times where I was like, was I like eight years old and we tried to do Sunday wine night? Maybe nine. He's like, <laughs> legally, I cannot uh, confirm or deny that. Though, truthfully, if I had just paid attention, then we probably wouldn't need to do this podcast. Likely so. Yeah, if I had 16 years of wine under my belt at this point, I could be leading this show. But instead, I'm kind of here like, hey, Dad, I'm ready to not drink Franzia anymore. Uh, help. Uh, so, yeah, that's the point of this podcast. I know wine is a topic that can be really intimidating because it's embarrassing to ask or intimidating to ask someone who knows a lot about wine questions about it. Well, we purposely do that. <laughs> so dad, what, what about from your point of view? Why'd you, I, I kind of, I didn't trick him into doing it, but I definitely just kind of was like, we're doing this. Well, as a father, I'll do anything to help my daughter. The second point is that, uh, I do have a disclaimer. I'm not a wine professional. Uh, I'm a, uh, brain surgeon by profession, but I've spent Smart. the last, but I have been interested in wine for uh, over 40 years, which seems hard to believe, but uh, I first became interested in wine when I was uh, 18 years old because uh, a high school buddy of mine, uh, Tony, shout out Tony, went to work in a wine store. And at the time uh, in the state of Connecticut, it was legal to drink at the age of 18. Uh, Tony started um, bringing some wine to parties and uh, talking about it. And uh, uh, from that time on, I was I was hooked. Going through medical school and residency, I hardly had any money to explore uh, different areas and different wines. And really wasn't until I got a paying job that I could start really doing this uh, kind of as a very uh, serious uh, hobby. Serious as in you travel and you spend more than you know, $10 on a bottle of wine. Well, serious as in drinking wine almost every night and traveling the world to visit uh, different wine areas to learn more and to become uh, very comfortable with uh, the, the, the product and how it's made. Yeah, it's it's just so interesting. It is just a education and you have to especially pay attention, I think, to what you're drinking. Well... If you're interested in becoming educated about it, obviously a lot of people are more than happy just to have their glass of Pinot Grigio every Saturday when they go out to lunch. That's my dad dissing Pinot Grigio, if you couldn't catch. That was an insult towards Pinot Grigio. By the way, did you want to tell them what the title of uh, today's... Today's podcast... Podcast is... The f- episode one, it, you know, really we're starting at the basics. What is wine? That is te- episode one. What is wine? So we're really and, starting out early. And, and what are we drinking? I mean, you're going to have to tell me that because to me it's like white wine is what we're drinking. Well, it is white wine. And the label reads McMurray Estate Vineyards, 
Oh my gosh, we're drinking Chardonnay. I don't Russian River Valley, Sonoma County Chardonnay. It's a Californian Chardonnay. It is 2014. So the term estate vineyards on the label implies that the grapes actually came from their own property. Russian I'm just going to like everyone should just like have flashcards the whole time <laughs> that we do this show and you should just add to your stack. So estate vineyards means the 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 vines slash the grapes, grapes came grapes. from and the vines you know came from well you're not drinking the wine okay, fair enough so uh, Russian River Valley is a AVA in uh, Central California oh and that's a recognized okay can you explain so that's it? a very complicated geographic explanation yeah and the reason I did that is to stress one really fundamental point which is if you're interested in wine, you have to be interested in geography. You have to be interested in where the, the wine is produced. So can you explain, because you use this word a couple of times, what an AVA is, but can you sure. explain it in like 15 seconds? <laughs> American Vinticultural Area. So the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms... The fun department. Yeah, among other things, establishes areas in the United States that are allowed to use certain labels in terms of where the wine comes from. So uh, Russian River Valley is an AVA, meaning it's been established by... Um, is Napa Valley an AVA? Yes. Is, are the Finger Lakes an AVA? Yes. What's another like common AVA that people would know? Willamette Valley. That's not common. Oregon. Yeah, it's in Oregon. No one's... What's one? Come on, give me one that people would know. Is that it? Finger Lakes and Napa Valley? No, no. There's literally well, I hundreds. Mean, I mean, I know. There are literally hundreds. What are the them. big ones? And, like within, what are, and within Napa Valley, I think there's 11 or 12 different sub... Sub... Sub AVAs. Sub AVAs. Oh, gosh. Yes. Okay. So, so I think that this... So Santa Barbara is, a, is an the ABA. All of Santa Barbara is an ABA. Correct. As is Monterey. So these are all very large areas, but within a lot of these large areas are much smaller AVAs. So let me tell you about wine in yeah, terms please. of basics. So wine is a product of fermentation. So wine is made by pressing grapes and producing juice, and that juice contains sugar. That sugar, in the presence of yeast, will be converted to ethyl alcohol. So it's a very basic formula, and it's been known thousands of years. So it's wine and it is sorry, wine is grapes and yeast. It's basically a fermentation product of grape juice. Yes, it's grape juice with some yeast in it, which has been allowed to ferment and convert the sugar into alcohol. <laughs> yeast that were like go to town on this on yes. this grape juice. Yes, and then. We're going to have fun afterwards. Correct. So that is, the, that is the basis of all wine. Now, why is wine different than, let's say, the fruit punch that you made in college, which is presumably some sort of uh, fruit juice and a bottle of vodka? Yeah, you're not too far off there, yeah. Maybe Gatorade, but sure. Right. So the reason that it's different is that it has the other elements of the grape that provide the structure. All wine is really a balance 
between structure and the flavor. So the grape itself has a skin and it also has a stem. And if these things are included when they do the press, they add something called tannin, which mm, is an heard acid. heard that one before. Do you guys have your flashcards out? So those tannins create a structure. And that structure may be pleasant. What do you mean structure? You've used, like a flavor? Well, it's a flavor profile. And it's, a, uh, it's most easily appreciated in a bad wine where there is too much tannin extraction. So oftentimes very inexpensive Cabernet wines are over-extracted. And when you go to taste them, you don't taste very much fruit. All you get is kind of a pucker. And that acidic, yeah, kind of chewy uh, flavor is due to the, to the tannins. The tannins, which is like the other stuff, the technical right. definition, so other stuff. If you, so if you have wine that's all fruit and no structure, then it's basically you're back in college, you know, with the fruit punch. On the other hand, if you overdo it with the structure, then you have a, a tannic mess that isn't uh, particularly pleasant to drink. Tannic mess would be a great band name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, wait, you're telling me that they add the, the, the stems and skins back into the wine after? No, no. They are allowed to stay with the grape when they go to press it. Sometimes. Sometimes. Depending on the winemaker. What they what their deal is. What they want to do. Right. Okay. So they get these grapes. They grow these grapes. Or they buy these grapes. Correct. And then they... Or they buy grape juice. Don't people do that? Yeah, that's kind of considered bad form. But yes, it, you can just get the, the grape juice. A lot of wineries that are run in states that really don't produce grapes per se will use juice from elsewhere because juice is a lot cheaper to transport than than grapes okay so you get the stuff and then you you press it and then you take that bucket of juice pressings and skins and stems Stems. which okay Mm -hmm. then you put it in a bucket probably not a bucket but you know a container, let's yes. say. Mm-hmm. And then you put yeast in there. Then you're like, have fun. Well, yes and no. Okay. You may mm-hmm. put yeast in there if you want to try to manage the fermentation the way you want it. Or a lot of winemakers will use natural yeasts because there's yeast all around us. Okay, so what do they use? Just whatever yeast happens to fall on the fall on the grapes. Oh, so they just like leave it open, yes. open air. Yep. Yes, that is true. My teacher once told me, I'm not going to name him by name, uh, but he once told me that he taught in a school where his window uh, looked over a berry tree and all these birds would eat the berries from the trees and the berries would drop and just lay out. And the, this bird came by and I guess ate all the berries that had fallen on the ground and they had fermented and the bird got drunk and flew through his window. But yeah, so that, those berries just were like mm-hmm. fermenting from 
Right. There is there are natural yeasts in the air. And depending on what you're doing with your wine, you may choose to add yeast or alternatively use the natural yeast in order to ferment once all the most of the sugar has been converted, the wine is then placed in some sort of container to chill. Um, it doesn't age in bottles. Well, it can age in bottles, and when wine is finally taken out of the the um, oak barrel or whatever and placed in bottles, it then will age. Uh, but that's a different process than what happens within the barrel, because within the barrel, it's extracting resins and all sorts of things from the wood, which is imparting flavor. Yeah, but a lot of alcohols do that. Like a lot of alcohols, like people like to age beer in containers that aged whiskey because the wood yes. has. So that's like right. The characteristic that is typically looked at when you talk about the cooperage. Now a cooper is somebody who makes oh my. barrels. Wow. All so right. the 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 thing that you look at. In We're terms at three flashcards, but yep. Uh, the thing that is looked at is how much new oak is used. So typically the barrels are made out of oak and Oh my if gosh, there's a oak rating system? Yes. You're like, "Oh my gosh, this was this oak was This was no, no or no, this was placed in 100% oak versus 30% oak. What's 30 when when does it stop? Where did it lose 70% of its oak? Oh, the no, new oak meaning that the barrels had never been used before. Oh, so 100% new oak. So potentially a wine may be placed in 100% new oak and get ready And that's fresh get oak. Get ready for tart. Okay, that's going to make the wine really tart. Yes. I like tart things, so now I'm going to be looking at would it say on the label 100% oak? Mm, unlikely. You'd have to do some homework. Okay. But then what's 70% oak? That means that 70% of the barrels were new oak barrels and 30% were uh, barrels that had been used before. Oftentimes, uh, uh, bourbon barrels are used uh, for winemaking. Cool. Because these have had a lot of the flavors extracted from it, so it tends to be more neutral when you use older barrels. So, but... When they say, but isn't that, does all the wine re-dumped into the same container? Because if 70% of the barrels were new, 30% yeah. weren't, so isn't there a chance you just get one of those old barrels? No, uh, you're right. It has to be remixed in yeah. order to calibrate the percentages. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it's all mixed together. It's not. Correct. So then they, take, this is a lot of work. By the way, it's it's a, it's a lot of planning. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, so then they put it all into different. So how many years does it sit in the barrels? It, it depends on a lot of different things. Sometimes it depends on what you want to call your wine. So in Brunello, which is an Italian wine, Brunello has to is that be a place. It is a place, and it's also a wine. Classic. But in Brunello, the wine has to be barrel aged, I believe at least for a year and a half in order to be able to call it Brunello. That's part of the rules. Oh, it's part of those rules, yeah. Yeah. So we should probably explain to the folks out there right now is that throughout the world, winemaking is constrained 
by a whole bunch of different rules. In order to be able to put a certain label on the wine in terms of what it is, often you have to follow a long rule book in terms of how you grew the grapes, how many tons per acre you harvested, how long you kept it in barrel. It's like literally nerds who got power. Like it's like someone let some really technical person be in charge and they were like, ooh, here we go. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do that or you can't even call it wine. That's not true. You can put a label on it, but you can't call it that special area. That special area. Correct. Yeah. To be able to call a wine... It's like, I feel like the most famous example, yeah, is champagne. For a sparkling wine to be called champagne, it has to be made in champagne, but it has to, has to also jump through a couple of other hoops to also be called uh, champagne. Like, I've already learned so much. Like, I literally thought a wine was, like, put it in a bottle and then just, like, I didn't know wine was aged in barrels. Is that so... Do a lot of people not know that? Or am I particularly I, well, out of it? I, I have no no way of judging how many people do or don't know that, but um, uh, I don't want to give the impression that everything put into uh, oak barrels. Sometimes it's not. Some things are left actually in steel containers and then placed into bottles directly. So the Pinot Grigio, uh, we mentioned earlier, typically never sees... I don't know why my dad hates on Pinot Grigio (laughs) so hard. Uh, I don't hate Pinot Grigio. I, I just don't find it a very interesting wine. Uh, it never sees any oak. So it's a very simple, what we term, quaffable wine, meaning you can, you know, drink it down. Yeah, you can put a straw in it you don't, and, you and don't have ne- a good night. You don't necessarily have to think about it a lot. No. But so you can get wine. Like it, just, it just got bottled and labeled, but the year is a couple years back. Is that is the year of the grapes or the year it the was the year it was harvested. Oh my gosh. How long does it take this is even okay, this is groundbreaking stuff. So Well, typically harvests occur in the fall and most of the time the wine doesn't appear until the following spring. So the earliest you're usually gonna see wine is the prior year, except in Australia where their growing season exactly the opposite of ours. So they're harvesting early part of the year and they're releasing the same year. Interesting. So it's when the grapes were harvested is the year. Yes. But do people harvest grapes and then just like let them hang out? Or do they make the wine immediately? They have to or else the the grapes would be destroyed. You can't freeze them? Uh, well, that was a serious question. Okay. That may be a serious question, but no one would even think about doing that. The only, the only, <laughs> except me, the only variation on that is ice wine, where nature actually freezes the grapes and causes them to shrivel up. And it, it's used to make very sweet wines. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a nature variation of freezing the grapes, but it's, uh, uh, it's not a bulk uh, production method. All right. Okay, so we've gotten kind of from the process of, but the other thing, and when you were saying that to like wine, you've got to like geography, is that, yeah, you got this basic formula, but so much of how the grapes were grown will affect the flavor of how they taste once they're pressed and um, aged. 
Well, clearly there's a lot of manipulation that can occur after the wine is harvested in terms of how it's pressed, whether they use the stems or not. Um, there's different ways of actually doing the fermenting, cold fermenting, warm fermenting, pushing down the cap. So there's a, there's a lot of technical things that can be varied. Most good winemakers try to allow the grapes to speak for themselves. Uh, another thing that's a little bit off topic that I wanted to mention is that um, all the things that we're talking about are um, wines, which by law are usually up to about 14% alcohol. There are other wines that you can buy that are called fortified wines. Mm. Sherry is, a, is an example. Port. Where, <laughs> and port, where additional alcohol is added uh, usually, oh my gosh, I love their mindset. This is good, but let's take it up a notch. Well, precisely. So, what we're going to be talking about most of the time, unless we eventually get to port. Uh, I want to. We should have a port episode. FYI, everyone knows we're drinking as we do this episode. Like we tried, we kind of said that at the beginning, but I want to make sure everyone knows we're sipping. And if there was an episode where we were drinking fortified wines, it'd be a party episode. So, I, I just want to give people a heads up that. Mostly what we're going to be talking about is wine that's not fortified, but there are certainly different classes of wine, sherry, ports, uh, which are fortified. What At what point do you know that do they add when it's like sitting in the bucket to ferment? Um, it, it really varies. It gets very complicated because there are yeah, about eight, different, eight different sherries. Yeah, I don't. If anyone's ever had port, they know that it's um, very sweet wine. And they actually add the spirits very early while there's still a lot of residual sugar. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's a chemistry lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, little recipe side note. So we were in Portugal um, last year, this time last year. And, you know, port is obviously pretty big in Portugal. Spoiler alert on that. Um and obviously my dad, obviously, <laughs> my dad was like, we're in Portugal. We're going to talk about and drink port. And the whole time we were there, we were like trying, trying to get into port. And we were just kind of like, wow, we can kind of tell why this is not so popular anymore. At the, I think it was like the last day or the second to last day, we ordered a port and tonic. Do you remember that? White port. White port and tonic. Okay. It is so good. That is the way to drink port, watered down with tonic. That is a great cocktail. If you are in Portugal, day one, start drinking port and tonics. That is the way to drink. Don't try to just drink a glass of port. You're going to not, that's not going to end well. Port and tonic, don't you agree? Absolutely. That, yeah, the port and tonic that's is the, the move. entry drink. Yeah, literally. I mean, what, do you want to drink straight port? Uh, only after a very long night and a couple of cigars. My question, though. And if it is a long, complicated answer, we can skip it. We can skip it. Uh, what's mead? Is that wine made from apples? I honestly don't know. Oh my gosh! I've never, never explored. He's gotten mead. never gotten into mead. I think it's actually fermented honey. Oh, that sounds right. That sounds more I right. I think it's fermented. Honey. I think you're right. So how do you ferment honey? You can ferment anything that has sugar. Chocolate. Well, you'd have to liquefy it, but anything that has sugar can be fermented. Correct. It's simply a biologic process. 
The yeast are little machines that convert sugar <laughs> into ethyl alcohol. They'd be so complimented to hear you say that, Dad. That's so nice of you. Um, okay, so so meat isn't really in this podcast. This meat is its own its own little thing. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, just uh, so tune into our newest new podcast. Dad teaches me about meat. The one thing I do want to touch on before we wrap this up, because I think we've pretty much answered what wine is. When we got this wine. When my dad opened the bottle and poured us a glass, he said it was something. He said, take a sip, you'll understand. So I took a sip, and I'm going to admit, I mean, if I if I had spent $10 on this and drank it, I wouldn't have known the difference. But the fact that you kind of were like, there's something a little off. Do you want to explain what happened here? Well, honestly, this wine has been sitting in my fridge for a little while. Chilling. Chilled, was it opened? Uh, but open. Okay. And uh, it is oxidized. So oxidation is when the alcohol, ethyl alcohol, under oxygen uh, becomes acetic acid. So you're converting, you're basically turning the wine slowly into vinegar. Um, so this is partially vinegar now. So get some bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> uh, yeah, get some oil. Get some oil, <laughs> bread and oil. Yeah, and make salad dressing. Yeah. Uh, but this wine is uh, just at the very beginning of oxidation. Um, okay, so... How long do you got a wine when you stick it in the fridge? Again, I know you're going to, it depends, but what, what are we saying on average? Realistically, realistically a couple of days, uh, up, upwards of a week. really depends on what you're going to do with it. Um, most of the wine that I put in my fridge, I'm going to cook with it. So it really doesn't matter. You know, much. you can leave it for a couple of weeks because if it has, if it turns a little bit vinegar... Dad's... It's lost in the sauce. Thank you for our new podcast, Dad Serves Me His Vinegar Cooking Wine. <laughs> okay, thanks, Dad. Um, we'll make up for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's what happened with that. Okay, that what about a bottle of red? You don't need to fridge that, but... I mean, people have those things that suck all the air out of it. What's up with that? Does that help? Well, it prevents the oxidation because... Why the, don't you have one of those? I usually drink the wine fast. Yeah, I don't you don't it. need the air sucker. Okay. <laughs> So what happens with the wine? Like, how long do you have with a red a bottle of red sitting on your counter? Uh, again, probably a couple of days um, before there's significant enough oxidation to really uh, affect the taste of the wine. You're going to want to put the cork back. Um, and if you have one of those devices, you know, that puts nitrogen on it or... Uh, argon gas or some neutral gas. I just can't believe you don't have one of those. Well, I think with that, we can probably, I mean, is there anything else on what is wine? Have we hit it all? We got it. I mean, I don't, yeah, cool. Well, thank you so much for tuning into the first episode of this wonderful podcast entitled Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Uh, we're going to be coming out with episodes every Wine Wednesday, so tune in for that. Uh, we'll be covering a new topic, probably, you know, in the more basic realm. Um, so please subscribe so you can get a notification whenever we come out with new episodes. Uh, updates on the podcast are best found on uh, our Instagram page, which is Dad Teaches Me About Wine. If you have any listener questions, we'd love to field them. You can email us at dadteachesmeaboutwine at gmail.com and we will answer all of them. If Even if you are like, uh, what sort of wine should I buy? What pairs with this? Like, I got someone coming into town or I like this. What else would I like? 
I'm not, I'll read them to my dad. He'll, he will answer, but we'll be happy to help you. Um, other than that, thanks so much for listening and, uh, cheers to that. Cheers.